the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We don't serve or worship myths, fables. We serve the truth. He's not here. He is indeed risen. The significance of the resurrection next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Greetings and welcome to our special Easter week editions of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. We're spending the week focusing on the resurrection and the significance of this resurrection and what it means for you and I. In fact, one Puritan put it this way. He said, the resurrection or the empty tomb was the father's amen to the sons it is finished. And indeed, the significance of the resurrection is found here in 1 Corinthians 15. And that's where we catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner with today's program. He is not here. He is risen. Join us with today's edition of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. It sounds unfair. Why must I suffer because of what he did? As if each of us really were islands determining our own fate independent of God. But now, beloved, that individualism has mutilated our understanding of the Christian gospel. The idea of individualism has turned the gospel into a little message, merely an advert for the consumer. Sure, you're an island, but come and add a a little something to your island. Have a little grace. Added to your life. But Paul saw it much differently. Paul saw that we have a far deeper problem and a far grander vision. Our plight, he saw, is not merely that each of us fails to be good enough and needs a little forgiveness. He saw our very identity as a problem. We each have a problem that goes back beyond our own birth. For we were born in Adam. And there is no hope for us in trying hard or expecting a little divine leniency. Our only hope is to be taken out of Adam's old humanity and to be born again into the new humanity, to be a new creation in Christ. Now with that in place, something fascinating leaps out from Romans 5. The second half of Romans 5 is all about the difference between Adam and Christ. Again and again from verse 12, Paul tells us, Because of one man's sin, we all die. But 
let us just dive into verse 15. It says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what Paul is giving us here is the connection between life and justification or righteousness. What is going on is this. After the cross... When the Son of Man had so perfectly displayed the extent of His love, the Father could not leave His righteous and beloved one dead. And so He vindicated or justified Him. This is from 1 Timothy 3.16. He declared Him with power through the Spirit to be the Son of God. So you see where the guilt of Adam brought death, the righteousness of Christ brought victorious life. And beloved, clearly, there is more righteousness in Christ than there is sin within us. For having, been, having borne our sin, death could no longer hold him. And having taken our sin and death down to death, death had no further claim on us. Now, think what the vindication of the head of the new humanity must mean. When Adam, the head of the old humanity, was found a sinner, all who were in him shared his fate. When Christ was justified, declared righteous, worthy of life by his Father, then he was raised to life for our justification. Romans 4, 25. And so all in him share that life-giving righteousness. He is the third day first fruits of life and righteousness. And all of his seed, you and I, that are in him, share that fate, beloved. So in him we are given new life and we become the very righteousness of God. Now what a glorious gospel that gives us. The new life we are given and born into through the resurrection of Christ is a righteous life, a justified life. Now think on this. My justification is so much better than as if I had never sinned. It is better. That is what I was taught when I was young of my faith, and I was thrilled to believe that about justification. It was just as if I had never sinned. 
Meaning, I believed it was when I first trusted in Christ, my slate had been wiped clean. That is justification, which I thought was absolutely wonderful. But the only problem is, I dirtied it up again rather quickly. So I thought, is it the case that I sort of yo-yo in and out of righteousness, out of a righteous standing with God? You know, he loves me, he loves me not. Do I need to be rejustified? And you know, so many struggle with exactly that today. Now, certainly, the sins I commit as a Christian grieve our Savior. And they most certainly hinder my enjoyment of the Christian life. But the notion that I might ever need to be re-justified betrays the fact that I had not appreciated that my identity as a Christian is that I have been taken out of Adam, the guilty, and I have been placed now in Christ. And my identity is in Christ, the righteous one. And so not my behavior, not my feelings, not my faithfulness make me righteous. He alone is my righteousness. The same today, yesterday, and forever. As a Christian, we can never lose our righteousness. Christ is is continually sprinkling us with his blood and cleansing us. And that is true, brothers and sisters, for the weakest Christian and for the greatest hero of the faith. He is that for every single one of us, the Lord, our righteousness a righteousness that clothes us as the fruit that surrounds the seed. Jesus said, because I live, you will also live. Not you will live because you have done well, but because I live, you will live. My fate is determined by the head of the humanity of which I belong to know my identity you must look to my head Jesus Christ now if I belong to Adam I share his guilt and death is my destiny but I belong to Christ and so his righteousness his life are mine so I need to tell myself every day as the old hymn says, that despite my many, many failings, I, even I, can cry out, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine, alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. But I, even I, Boldly approach the eternal holy throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Brothers and sisters, 
Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a new life, a justified life, a righteous life beyond condemnation as Christ is beyond the cross. Praise God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there is more. It is a life, the resurrection life of glorious and all-subduing hope. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Christ, we have seen, is the first fruit of the resurrection. And Paul sees even more going on in that idea. He says in verse 35, Someone will ask how the dead, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And friends, it is the first fruits idea that answers that question. Remember the first fruits in Genesis 1? They each reproduce according to their kind. Just so, those in Christ will be raised according to Christ's kind. They will be raised to have a body like his. Verse 48. As was the man of dust, Adam, so also are those who are of the dust. As is the man of heaven, so also those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of him, the man of heaven. Beloved, just think what that means. Right now, body and soul, we belong to our faithful Savior, and oh, that gives us wonderful comfort. But oh, what weak and failing, polluted, inadequate temples we are. Decaying, confused, sinful. Oh, we are no longer slaves to sin, to be sure. But boy, how it lingers. Sin chafes and cramps and leeches our joy and freedom. Sin steals, death bereaves us. Our bodies hurt, evil oppresses. That's how it is today. But one day, because Christ is our first fruits... Just as we have borne the image of the man of the dust, so we shall fully bear the image of the man of heaven. And in that day, we shall fully be freed from all of the effects of the fall and the curse. The Spirit's work of perfecting and beautifying us, of making us like Christ, will be fulfilled. And having been elected called justified and sanctified in Christ, we will finally and fully share His glorification. You simply couldn't have a vision of hope more different to the sneaking suspicion of so many Christians today that eternal life means being slightly less human, having slightly less fun, and being slightly less alive. Beloved, now, 
and for eternity. Becoming like Christ means becoming more human, not less. For created in the image of God, we will be what we were created to be, unshriveled, unbent, and unfurled. Now that means sweet hope for our bodies as well as our souls. And especially sweet hope for the sick, for the handicapped, and for those in pain. As old Job cried out from all of his suffering, he said, I know my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will stand upon the earth. And after this skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes and not another. Oh, beloved, how my heart yearns within me. For just as Christ was physically raised from the grave as the first fruits of new life, so will we be. We will be united with Him in His resurrection. Our bodies will be freed from the last effects of the fall. Now, believers, all blemished, sagging, aching, dying, one day, our bodies will be transformed to be perfect, splendid, glorious, crowned, imperishable like Christ. Now, there is hope to comfort widows. There is a hope to comfort the bereaved, those who have lost their loved ones. There is hope to strengthen martyrs. In body and soul, dear brothers and sisters, we fully share together in Christ's eternal life, reign, and victory over death, and all that that means. And that's not all. For the very creation now waits in eager expectation, says Paul in Romans 8. For the resurrection of the firstborn was the guarantee that creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious resurrection of the Son of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 again, this time verse 24. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule, every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies, listen to these words, under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. Did you know that this is a quotation from Psalm 8? which says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the sin of man that you, are, that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Remember Adam and Eve in Eden? God said, 
Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over all things. Adam was created to be the king in Eden. He was to rule over all creation. God put everything under his feet. And so when Adam fell, everything came crashing down. All creation under him was affected with thorns and thistles and death and pain. And then comes the last Adam. He undoes the fall. He conquers death. And all things are put under his feet. All things. So no more atrocities. No more hate. No more death or pain. As all creation was brought crashing down to death under Adam's sin, so all creation will be affected by the resurrection of Christ. Not just our bodies, but the hills, the mountains, the fields, rivers, freed from decay. The lion will lie down with the lamb. For the resurrection of Jesus, the firstborn, is the guarantee of the resurrection of all things under his feet. Creation itself cleansed and filled with the children of God, rejoicing in his presence in righteousness and peace. Brothers and sisters, praise God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of it, we have a new life we want to live out in beautiful holiness. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a righteous standing before our glorious God. We can face and defeat the accuser. And because of it, like a backbone of steel in our joy, we have hope. And so, beloved, when you hear the whisperings of Satan... When you feel the weight of sin and death and fallenness, remember the glory of the risen one. The one who has given us his life and righteousness. The one who will finally, utterly destroy the accuser, destroy death, destroy sin. The one who will have no enemies left, but will have all things under the feet that were pierced for us. Let me end by reading to you a quote from pastor and missionary Peter Hammond. He said, Because of Christ's death on the cross, we can rejoice that our sins are paid for. We are forgiven, justified by faith. Because of Christ's resurrection from the dead, we can rejoice in the prospect of eternal life. Because of Christ's ascension, we can know that He has all authority and that His great commission will be accomplished on the earth. Because of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we do not need to trust in our own abilities, 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. Beloved, that is the true gospel message. Christ is risen indeed. Amen. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 